Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. Let's go, let's go. The, the terminology that I'm using, outer circle, I know is pretty counterintuitive. Uh, everybody wants to be part of an inner circle, an elite few, special people, especially when it comes to something as important as the kingdom of God and the purposes of God. So, um, But I want to try to convince you that Jesus taught his inner circle, uh, his disciples, maybe even just Peter, James, and John, if you want to consider them the inner of the inner circle. He taught them how to, con- how to care about outer circle people. I have to admit that I got this terminology from a group of people here in San Francisco who call themselves uh, the Outer Circle. Um, They and we, as I volunteer with them and love these young, what I call dreadlocked, hippie Christian friends of mine, uh, minister to people, befriend and love people into the kingdom from uh, Golden Gate Park, hippie travelers primarily. Mostly people that use a lot of drugs, and uh, many of uh, of our friends are uh, socially difficult, let's say, and uh, and some mentally ill. But my friends call themselves the Outer Circle because it's their mission to reach people on the margins. So anyway, that's where the terminology comes from, and. Uh, I want to talk about what kind of Christians are these kinds of Christians, outer circle Christians. Um, when I was a kid, I I loved merry-go-rounds, and you know the game you you, you get it going as fast as you can, and uh, everybody you know to see if you can flip some people off of it. But there was also this game to kind of resist the centrifugal force pushing you outward and fighting your way to the center. And it was such a surreal experience in the middle, in the center of a merry-go-round, right? When you couldn't feel the force pushing you outward. And I never really understood that as a kid. I I still don't really understand centrifugal force. Uh, I don't know. Newton, did he invent it? I don't know. But I discovered that the longer I stayed in the middle, uh, the less in touch I was with the centrifugal force outward and the more nauseous I became. And so I, I was thinking about that in terms of how Jesus compels us toward the outer edge, uh, away from the center of our little world. You know, he invites us to join him on his quest to heal a sick world. But what do we do? We tend to, you know, isolate and insulate ourselves by moving closer and closer to the center where it's safe, where we don't feel this, this pull outward because, you know, the adventure is out on the edge where we're supposed to engage with the world around us, but it's dangerous out there, right? So, you know, you could fall off and you could skin your knee, uh, but that's where the adventure is. And so if you're if you're sick, if you're nauseous of your Christianity and of the church as it is, it might be because you're sequestered in the middle, in the center, instead of living on the outer edge. And so this sequestered center, so to speak, is, you know, it's less scary, but it's more sickening. 
and so we have a choice between being scared or sick. I'd rather be, I'd rather be scared and in the adventure of Jesus. So I'm going to share the thoughts in three parts um, from Luke chapter 15 and the three parables that Jesus taught uh, to inner circle Jews. But let me set it up by starting with Luke 14, the chapter just before, and read you verses 12 to 14. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends. Don't invite your brothers or your sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, invite the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then just a few verses later, verse 21, he's in one of his parables, he's setting up the same kind of scenario. The master of the banquet is trying to get his house full so he can feed people. And the first group of people had didn't want to have anything to do with it. They weren't needy enough from their vantage point. And they made excuses. But then the master says, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So the same group of people that he spoke of earlier in the chapter. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room, still room in your house. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in. Those people, the poor, crippled, blind, and lame, and people that are out in the country lanes and living in the street and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. Okay. So you see kind of an outer circle mentality that Jesus is setting up here with the disciples. So he gets to chapter 15 and verse one says, now the tax collectors and sinners, these were kind of outer circle people, were all gathering to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and, and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, and he goes on to teach them actually three parables, all of which are very closely linked uh, by something that's lost, something that's found, and then a, then a celebration at the end. Um, the lost son, the lost sheep, and the lost coin. So we're going to talk about all three of those, those things. And, but let me just say this, you know, Luke's gospel him being the only uh, Gentile author of a New Testament book, he kind of has this theme of a wider, I call it the wider welcome. Uh, he has more about the poor and the blind and the lame and the, uh, the, the marginalized, the widows and orphans. He has more about that. He has more teaching from Jesus and more interactions of Jesus than the other disciples or the other gospel writers. Chapter 15 you know, he tells us that these pharisaical inner circlers, you know, they re- routinely rejected all outer circle lowlifes. So, so, and, and these, these guys, these guys were nauseous and from my vantage point, nauseating because they didn't care about anybody else but their own, their own circle. 
So Jesus talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. He's teaching us something about his relationship to the least, the last, and the lost. I mean, he goes out of his way to seek them out. And when he, when he finds them, he, you know, he throws a party. So the first parable that I'll, we'll talk about in this episode is about the lost sheep. In verses 3 to 7, Luke 15 says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So this is a pretty, pretty well-known parable. In fact, the whole chapter is very well-known. But I'm not sure, at least for me, these things are helping me kind of recalibrate, refocus my attention uh, in a uh, out to the margins, out to the edge of the merry-go-round, you know, if, so to speak. So in this this little parable, you know, the shepherd is obviously, you know, Jesus. He says in another place in John 10, you know, I'm the good shepherd. And the lost sheep, you know, probably represents a person who's lost, a person who can't find their way and is is out on the fringe. And, and the 99 sheep are, you know, part of his flock, people that are already identified with Jesus as their, as their Messiah, as their Savior. Um, and and I, I wonder if the 99, I wonder if he's saying to the 99 here, because I, I'm thinking if you're listening to this, you're probably, you know, one of the 99. So I wonder if he's saying to us, you know, you guys ought to be mature enough not to need my constant attention. I'm going to go after this one sheep. You don't really need me to constantly be affirming and reaffirming and reaffirming you. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't do that. I'm not saying that he doesn't care about us. I'm not saying that he isn't omnipresent. I'm just wondering if he's trying to say to inner circle people, you know, maybe you guys ought to grow up a little bit and not only share me, let me go out, but you go out and find, you know, some lost sheep of your own. Don't, in other words, don't make this flock all about you guys. I mean, there are wandering sheep out there and, and I got to go find them and I, I got to go bring them back. And, and I wonder if he might even be implying, and so why don't you go with me? I mean, we could do this together. You know, I, I've said a lot of times in a lot of places that if you're saved, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, if you're part of the flock of God, your worst problem, whatever your worst problem is, and, and I've got big problems, you've got big problems, but so pick your biggest problem. It isn't as big a problem as the one who's lost because their problem is they're lost. So if you have cancer or if you've been divorced or you have a problematic child or you can't find a job, I mean, I have some of those myself. So I, I can identify, but the fact of the matter is none of those problems are as big a problem as being lost. So he goes after, you know, the lost sheep until he finds it. I mean, in this parable, Jesus doesn't just accept outsiders he goes out of his way and chases after him. I mean, he's not sitting on his hands waiting for people to come home. 
I mean, he's patient, but he's not passive about bringing, you know, outer circlers home. I mean, God is, is, he's a missionary. He's on a mission. He's always been on a mission. I mean, he's on a passionate pursuit of people. And, and, and my thesis is that he's after the lostest of the lost. So I would summarize this first point from verses 3 to 7 as, you know, Jesus is an outer circle seeking Savior. Jesus is an outer circle seeking Savior. So next time, in the next episode, I'm going to talk about how the Father loves outer circle sinners and wants his family to love them too. Until then. Let's go.